Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Thank you, team, for leading us. Uh, That song really articulates a prayer uh, that we've been especially praying in this season as we've seen God doing uh, just some really remarkable things uh, at Horizon West Church, that we would just make all the room that we need to make in our own hearts, in our services, in our programming, because we don't want to put out the Spirit's fire. We don't want to stop God from doing what He wants to do in and through us. And so that was certainly our prayer leading up to Easter Sunday last week. How many of you joined us for a service last Sunday? Let me see your hands. Awesome. And you came back. That's great. Thank you for being here. Um, and man, I want to especially thank those that served or invited or uh, somehow really participated in helping that be a record Sunday and uh, just an incredible Sunday for us. Uh, more than anything, what a cool thing to see eight people baptized and dozens of people responding for the first time uh, to put their confidence and their trust in Jesus. So uh, what, a, what a cool time to be a part of what God is doing at Horizon West Church. And as we make room for God, one of the things that we always want to do is to hold our plans lightly. And so our plan had been, uh, we've been in a series uh, that we're calling, I think, A House Divided. It's in 1 Corinthians. Well, we got to Easter and then we realized that, man, a lot of our conversations and texts and emails and coffees are with people who are really passionate to come to know Jesus for the first time or, or interested in being baptized or things where we said, man, God, are you doing something a little different? And so today we're pivoting, uh, not for a long time, but for a short time, pivoting away from that series to really just put up our sail and say, God, wherever your wind is blowing is where we want to go. So all of us have people in our lives, true if you're a child or an adult, it's true of every man and woman. Uh, we have family members, maybe a spouse, a sibling, a parent, a child. Uh, we have coworkers or classmates. We have neighbors. Uh, and across all of these categories, we have people that we would identify as friends. But beyond those categories of relationship, there are spiritual realities at work in the life of every person. Every person in this room and watching online is somewhere in their spiritual life. Now, they may be far from God, they may be someone who's hard-hearted toward the things of God, or they may be somebody that wakes up every day with a smile on their face, God bless them, and opens their Bible and starts reading. But we're all somewhere. And it's hard to know where somebody is internally, uh, and so you just meet people where they're at and you walk with them. And this is what Jesus did. Uh, As Jesus was serving in the area around Jerusalem and in Jerusalem in the first century, it says that great crowds of people would come after him. And Jesus knew that in those crowds of people, there were perhaps dozens of different places that people found themselves in their spiritual life. And Jesus always took that into account. In fact, there's this really kind of obscure place in the New Testament where Jesus is in the middle of a teaching and some people interrupt him and say, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. This is a family category. These are the people that Jesus was closest to in his natural life, but he responded in a really strange way to the statement. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, verse 21, it's also in Matthew chapter 12, my mother and brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. (laughs) Now this feels like a really dismissive way to talk about his family. Jesus is not doing that. In fact, I think Jesus was the best brother ever. I have four biological brothers, love them all, close with them. I think Jesus was a phenomenal brother. And I think Jesus was the ideal son. I think he honored Mary at every step of the journey. What Jesus is doing is not being dismissive of his natural family, but he's highlighting a spiritual reality that what he came to the earth to do was not merely to be a son, a brother, or a friend, but to help people move in their spiritual journey closer to the heart of God. Ultimately, Jesus would die on a Roman cross to take the sins of the world upon himself to make it possible, but everything Jesus did was trying to help people have a better understanding of who God was so that they might move closer to him. Jesus says, those who hear the word and do it are my family. Now this expression, hear and do, becomes kind of a template for all of Jesus' teaching. Jesus was not one of these guys, I sometimes could be guilty of this, who thinks, man, if I just deposit the right information in their brain, it'll change the world. Jesus understood that something more was needed. We need to be not just hearers, but doers. This is true of parents. We tell our kids, hey, go clean your room, and we don't want our kids to go, got it. I can actually memorize that. Clean my room, clean my room, and then go on play. (laughs) Like, no, 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 I want you to do what I told you to do. Same is true of an employer or a teacher. The point is not that they get the information, but that they do the things they've been asked to do. The goal is to have something done. And so Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says this. This is one of his uh, more well-known teachings. Some of you will be familiar with it. He says, Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. And the reason is that it had been founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. So Jesus is saying the only two categories that exist, it's not church people and unchurched people. It's it's not people that are really good at Christianity and those who are bad. It's those who hear the word and do it, and those who hear the word of God and don't do it. Those are the only two categories that Jesus identifies. Well, this morning, I want to give you a few stages of spiritual development that are going to become for us kind of a a, a touch point, if you will. And we're going to refer back to these. I did not make these up. This is something that pastor friends that I know are using to help people. Four stages of spiritual development, um, and you should have gotten a handout on your way. And if you did not get a handout, this is going to be kind of a classroom interactive experience. So if you did not get a handout and want one, just put your hand up and leave it up till someone gets that to you, Okay. If I'm talking fast, I apologize. I went a a little long in the previous service, so anybody got lunch plans? All right, hang in there. (laughs) Category number one is those who are in the the beginning phase, and these are at the, uh, uh, sorry, in the exploring phase. These are already listed for you at the top of your handout. A person who is exploring faith is somebody who's maybe curious or interested about the things of God. Uh, Maybe they've attended a church, maybe they've even begun to attend regularly, 
but there's still some things that aren't quite clicking for them in their heart or mind. They're not yet kind of across that line of faith where they say, I am a follower of Jesus. That's, that's how I identify. They're just exploring. Over here are people who are just beginning their journey of faith. They've put their trust in Jesus. They put their confidence in Christ. They're a saved person, if you will. Uh, but they're really just kind of starting to figure out how to be a follower of Jesus. This is a person that might want to join a group or a serve team. They're just getting started and things are going well, but they're at the beginning phase. Over here are people who are growing in their faith. So that, that stage where they were kind of new followers of Jesus, that might be months or even years in the rearview mirror. That honeymoon phase has ended. Now they're just kind of every day waking up trying to walk with Jesus and to grow in their faith. And then over here, the fourth category, is those who are multiplying. This is somebody who the life of God is active in them. They're producing spiritual fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. And not only that, but where they are, in their workplace, in their neighborhood, in their classroom, or wherever it may be, they're actually helping to produce that life in other people, cooperating with God to multiply the impact of God through them into others. Four categories. And these four categories or stages, I believe, correspond to something that Jesus himself taught in Matthew 13. So what we're going to do is the next 25 minutes or so, we're going to camp out in Matthew 13, and I'm going to read for you. This is what happens in the passage. Matthew 13, beginning at verse 1. On that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat down beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down And the whole crowd stood on the beach. And Jesus told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and so immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil. And those seeds produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. And then Jesus adds these words, he who has ears, let him hear. A quick aside before we kind of dive into the content of Jesus' teaching. Nowhere in this passage is Jesus trying to identify who is saved and who is not saved. Because the goal of the heart of God is always bigger than saved and not saved. One of the problems in the American church over the last hundred years or so is that we have reduced almost everything that exists in the Bible and in the teachings of Jesus to get saved so you can go to heaven when you die. And we miss the fact that eternal life is our possession now by faith. We've already stepped into God's good kingdom and we're cooperating with him to bring the will and the kingdom of God to bear on the places we put our feet. That's what God desires. He's looking for multipliers. So this is not about saved and not saved. Verse 1, it says that same day, which begs the question, what day is this and why is that significant? So let me come back to something I shared with you earlier. Did you know that the moment that Jesus says the thing about his mother and brothers where he says, the ones who hear the word of God, that is the very end of Matthew chapter 12, which means on that same day, Jesus uses that Uh, interaction as an opportunity to teach a spiritual truth. So he's saying, I know my mother and brothers are here. That's a natural relationship. But I want to talk to you about what you don't understand about yourself. 
In, in my Bible, it's called the parable of the sower. That's not inspired. Somebody, as they were you know, printing the Bible, said, we're going to call this the parable of the sower. A parable is simply a short teaching by Jesus to illustrate a truth. But I would actually call it the story of the soils. Because the point Jesus is making has nothing to do or very little to do with the sower. It all has to do with the soils. Jesus wants to invite us in this passage to look inward and go, what kind of soil am I? So this is the story of the soils. Primary metaphors are threefold, and there is a cheat sheet that I referred to in verses 18 through 23, um, and G- where Jesus just literally explains the story to the disciples. But the three primary metaphors are sower, that is whoever is kind of imparting the words of God to someone, seed, those are the words of God themselves, and soil, those who, are the, those who are hearing or receiving God's word. So with that kind of framework in mind, um, let me share this with you. When we were getting ready for Easter Sunday, one of the tasks that my team had was to place Easter yard signs in the medians around Horizon West. Any of y'all see those somewhere? Did anybody see the one that looked like it got attacked by a grizzly bear on Seidel? I don't know what happened there. It literally, uh, it's weird, or a shark or something got it, but that would be weird. Um, But I tell you that because when we were planting those signs in the medians of Horizon West, this is some of the hardest soil I have ever experienced in my life. We were literally breaking things like on the signage. It just is really, really hard. Or or let me ask it this way. How many of you have ever tried to plant a garden? Put your hands up. I want to see your hands. If you've ever made an attempt to plant a garden, leave it up, leave it up. Okay. How many of you currently have a garden? That's about what I thought. All right. So you understand. It's hard to plant things in the ground. It's hard to cultivate something that's going to produce. That's true in the natural. And Jesus would say, hey, that's also true in the spiritual. It's tough. It's rare to find somebody who just goes, God, I'm all in. Like, I, I, I'm hungry for this. I, I'm devouring. Like, the natural posture of the human heart is disinterested and disengaged. And so Jesus is going to tell this story in part to illustrate the different grades, so to speak, of the human heart. I'm going to use the term heart to refer not to the place of our desires or emotions. I know that's how we refer to it, like Valentine's Day, we send hearts, I love you, I like you. The biblical heart includes our desires and emotions, but it really encompasses our will, our intellect, our ambitions. It's really the whole self, or maybe think of it like the operating system for our lives, When scripture talks about the heart, it's talking about the whole being. And Jesus says, basically, the human heart is one of these four different soil types that exist in Matthew chapter 13. We're also going to look at three corresponding trouble spots that that three of them have that go with them. So uh, we'll look at those together. Soil type number one, soil type number one that you need to know is the unresponsive soil. The the trouble spot for those who are exploring. Verse 19 says, When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Now when we see the word understand in our Bible, we're going to think conceptual. We're going to think this is somebody who, who just didn't quite understand what was being said. But that is not the way that Jesus is using the word. The original word in the Greek that Jesus is speaking means somebody who might understand it, but they're just not really doing anything with it. 
another, another way to think about it is they haven't taken it in the way that a soil needs to take in a seed. And so there are people that are exploring, and if that's you, let me just say to you, I am so glad that you're here. We design our services, we pray, we talk amongst each other as a team with you in mind. We want people here who are just exploring things of faith. The trouble or the challenge is if you stay in a posture of exploring for too long, you might miss your moment. Exploring in any theater or any vein is not meant to be a permanent condition. You don't go to the car dealership and say, we've just been exploring this car for the last several years. We're not yet sure if we want to buy it. If you're buying a house in Horizon West, you have three and a half seconds to make that decision. Like you just can't camp out and exploring. Somebody else is going to get it. And so Jesus says, some of you are exploring and I'm glad you're here. They're in the crowds following Jesus. But the danger is if that seed just sits on the soil and it's not taken in at some point, what happens is the birds of the air, metaphorically speaking, take it. And I've seen people get involved in a church, start going to a Bible study, not yet ready to, 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 to step across the line of faith, but all of a sudden they just kind of take some steps back, start getting disengaged, disinterest. And what happened was the work that God was doing, the words of God that were falling on them, because they didn't take them in, it was taken from them. Now, I full-heartedly believe, and I've seen it with my own eyes, that people can come to faith on their deathbed. We hear these stories, I've seen them firsthand. But do you want to be somebody who forfeits the balance of your life and just waits till the last moment to be saved? Or do you want to take in what God is doing and experience abundant life? This is the question for those of us who are exploring. Let me say this as well. Recalling what I shared last week in the Easter message, if you were here or you were watching online, there's this, this moment where Jesus is walking with these two individuals on a road called Emmaus or road to Emmaus. And if you recall or if you were here last Sunday, you remember that as they're walking together, they're kind of exploring things of faith. Jesus is showing them the scriptures and they're talking about what happened in Jerusalem with the crucifixion. And then all of a sudden it says Jesus acts like he's going to go further. What's Jesus doing? He's bringing them to a point of decision. The words of God and the words of Scripture are designed to bring us to a point of decision. So if you're still exploring, that's okay. I just want to encourage you, don't hang out there forever. God has more for you. So, so here's the question I'm going, to, I'm going to propose for those who are in an exploring stage. The question you need to ask yourself, am I receiving or taking in God's word? And, and the resolve that comes behind that would be to decide to let Jesus and his word into your life. Decision has remarkable power. It, it, things do not happen in our life by happenstance or by accident, mostly. I, I didn't wake up one morning and go, my goodness, I'm married to Nikki. <laughs> How did that happen? I stood at an altar and made a covenant and said, I do. Like, like We make decisions, and then when we make the decision, we put our intentions and our commitments to it. This is what, if you're in a place of exploring, what I pray that whether it's today or tomorrow or within the next few weeks, I pray you would come to that place. Soil tip number two, the unrooted soil. This is going to be the trouble spot for those who are just beginning in things of faith. Verses 20 and 21 of Matthew 13 say, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, 
but endures for a while. And when tribulation, that's, that's hardships or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately this person falls away. Now this is not the one who's still exploring. This is the person who has put their confidence in Jesus. They've begun their life with God. And they may even be reading their Bible and they're praying and they're finding for the first time joy that they've never known, peace that they've never experienced. And it's all really beautiful and really good. We have people in our midst who are just beginning their spiritual life with God. Some of them were baptized last week. Others are going to be baptized in uh, future weeks. But it's a good place to be when we have that kind of honeymoon phase where we're like, man, God is the best thing I've ever experienced. I will never leave him or abandon him. But here's the problem. When we're in that place, if we become more focused on the visible expressions of spiritual development than, than the hidden places where spiritual life is actually formed, what's going to happen is when hardships come, Jesus says, when the sun rises with scorching heat, we know a little something about that here in central Florida, it withers. It's a beautiful plant. It was even producing, yes, but there was no roots. And when something doesn't have roots, it doesn't take much sun, it doesn't take much wind or rain for that thing to be destroyed so that what was being produced can no longer be produced any longer. These are people who are growing upward, but they're not growing downward. They're not going under the surface to really grow in their spiritual life. Now in business terms, some of you are business owners or C-level leaders. You understand there's a difference between startup growth and sustained growth. I saw a statistic this week that uh, in the last um, 80 years, I think it was, the average life expectancy of an S&P 500 corporation, so these are the businesses that made it, the average life expectancy is down from 67 years to 15. <laughs> and so these startups are happening and because they have a, a charismatic leader or, or, or they've got some uh, first to market innovation, people are like, man, that's the company to go in on. That's the company to invest in. But the problem is they haven't developed the roots of a, a company culture or, or a series of not just smart but really successful CEOs who could navigate through the hardships and so what happens is, as quickly as it rises up, it collapses in on itself because there was nothing underneath holding it up. It looked good, but it had no roots. What determines longevity in business and in the spiritual life is not how quickly success is achieved, but how deeply successful practices and processes are engaged in. So the question, if you're in a place of just beginning, as I know some of you are, Ask yourself the question, am I growing deep or am I just growing fast? We've got some people that I've had the privilege to walk with these last five years that have demonstrated that when those hardships and those trials came, they stuck it out and they've moved to another phase because they were willing to let the hard, difficult thing of roots take hold under their soil. So am I growing deep or just growing fast? And the resolve would be engage in spiritual practices. Now this, this is terminology that you might not be familiar with if you've not been around church much, but spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines are, are things that have come from the scripture and through Christian tradition. There are more than a dozen of them that are ways people have identified that when they do these certain things, it helps them to be in a posture that can receive the work of God in their life. Does that make sense? I felt a little muddied coming out. 
Spiritual practices would be, be things like prayer or Bible study or worship. Well, all of the spiritual practices can be kind of whittled down to two basic categories. One are practices of engagement, like the ones I mentioned. The other is practices of abstinence. So, for instance, silence and solitude are spiritual practices. Not even just Christian practices. Spiritual practices that a lot of different religions do. So, when you get away by yourself, and you breathe, and your body is in a quiet space and all of a sudden your mind starts to quiet down a little bit, there is really, really good effect of that on the, the human heart and soul and body. When you couple that, those two practices, silence and solitude, with two practices of engagement that are Christian, both study and worship, God can use just those few things to begin to put roots down into your life. And, and to make this even a little more simple, you can actually do these four practices, silence, solitude, worship, and study, all in kind of one sitting on a regular basis. The way that looks like for me is that probably two or three mornings a week, I'm able to slowly and gently enter my day once the kids get off to school. And I'll get a Bible or a, a book by a guy like Dallas Willard or Eugene Peterson. And I might put on some instrumental music. I'm not trying to, to, to think about what's being sung or played. I might even light a candle. I might go outside, watch the birds, kind of be out in nature just hearing the sounds of those things. And I'm just in a place where I'm trying to acknowledge, God, I, you're over all of this. Like, you're, you're my king. Like, you're, you're the one. And, and, I'm, and I'm studying because I want my mind to be informed about how to grow in my faith. And so I'm doing these things and I'm doing it in a posture where I'm not being interrupted. I don't have my phone getting blown up with texts or my kids asking me to do something. I'm just in silence and solitude in study and worship. And you would be amazed if you would commit to those practices. Some people call that a quiet time or a devotional time. Most days, you're not going to feel anything. You're going to be done, put it down and go, I'm not sure I just accomplished anything. But here's the thing. Roots aren't worried about accomplishing anything. They're just worried about getting deep enough so that when the season comes, fruit is produced. And so while your Tuesday might not be fireworks, what you'll find is over a few months or a few years of spiritual practices, you are learning and becoming better able to do the things that Jesus taught in his word. And so that's for you if you're at a place of beginning in your faith. I need to move a little more quickly than I've been, so let me get to soil type number three. Soil type number three is going to be the entangled soil. This is the challenge or the trouble spot for those who are in the place of growing in their faith. Verse 22, Jesus says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke it out, and it proves unfruitful. I don't know this for sure, but my guess is that this category is probably the one that is most prevalent in the room today. Of people who would say, At some point in my past, I put my trust in Jesus, and I'm not yet where I want to be, but I think I'm growing, or I hope I'm growing in my faith, and that's where you are. You might have even put down roots, or this person might have even put down roots. They might even begin producing. But what happens for the person who's growing is if we fail to recognize that growing alongside of us are thorns, distractions, things that we can become entangled in, what will happen is, yes, the plant is growing up. Yes, there's even roots underneath it. 
but it's getting too close to things that are ultimately going to choke it out. Jesus calls them thorns and he identifies two. He says, the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of the world. We might call this greed and anxiety. It's interesting because greed and anxiety are two sides of the same coin. In both greed and in anxiety, what I'm fundamentally saying is, God, I do not trust that what you have given me is enough. Those will choke out our faith because they, on their face, do not take God at his word. And what I had hoped and really, really prayed for was that as I grew in my faith and as I put down roots, it would become easier and easier to not get entangled. Or that there would be this growing gap between my righteousness and and the cares of the world. You know what I found to be true? That as I grow, there is something consistently growing alongside of me. I am never more than a wrong decision or a breath away from imploding my life. This is why we see people who are high profile leaders, perhaps in the church or other capacities. And we go, man, and they genuinely love God. Check. Yes, it's true. They know the word. They're doing their best to practice. But all of a sudden, they've let those thorns get a little bit too close. They become entangled and ultimately it chokes out what they were producing for the Lord. And so we've got to watch out that those thorns don't choke us out. Here's the question. If you're in a place of growing, I want to encourage you to ask yourself, what has my attention and what has my affection? In other words, what has my thoughts and my desires? Whatever you place your thoughts and your desires in, that is the direction your life's going to go. No matter how hard you white knuckle to not, what you place your affection and attention on is your future. And so Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 to 33, don't be anxious and say, what are we going to eat? Or what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Because the Gentiles, those who don't know God, they run after all these things. And by the way, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of the things that you need will also be added to you. Jesus is saying, take God at his word. And trust him to provide. You don't need to get caught up in, in the things that are, that are, you know, enticing you and entangling you. You can just run hard after Jesus and he will provide what you need. And so, and so the question becomes, what has my attention and my affection? And the resolve behind that is this. We repent and we renew. Repentance and renewal. The word repentance is kind of a big Bible word. It literally just means that I'm going in a certain direction And I recognize the dangers of that direction, so I turn and I go in a different direction. Some of you need to recognize and admit that your job and the pursuit of making money has become your God. And you are sacrificing things of faith or family or true priorities of the kingdom because you just need something more and something better. It's a sin issue. So the Bible says repent. And then renewal is this. Renewal is when I exchange the thoughts and desires in my mind for new and better ones. Can I tell you how Paul says this in Romans chapter 12? He says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, I urge you to give your lives as living sacrifices to God, holy and pleasing to him. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This happens when we recognize that what we've got entangled in is hurting and harming us, and we repent and we renew. 
And wildly enough, science is beginning to affirm what Scripture has been saying for 2,000 years. We now know scientifically that when a person gives themselves to destructive habits like drug addiction, alcoholism, pornography, whatever it might be, their brains are actually beginning to be rewired by those patterns. And so the more you do it, the harder it is to not do it. That's the essence of entanglement, right? You just can't stop. And yet, if you can replace those habits with new habits, what happens and what they find is the brain can begin to heal itself. It can begin to restore. It can begin to come easier and easier to do the things that Jesus teaches us. And so we repent and we renew. Now, some of you, I need to acknowledge because I've been there, some of you are so deeply entangled that you need more help than just do this and do that. Some of you are so deep into addiction or what the Bible calls strongholds, whether it's alcohol, sex, money, whatever it might be, that you need some extra assistance. And here's the good news. We have a ministry of the church that can provide that. We have a ministry called Celebrate Recovery, whose sole purpose in existing is to help people to disentangle themselves from the compulsive behaviors and destructive habits in their life that are ruining the things that they care about. CR, we call it. They meet on Monday nights. We've got two individuals and I think maybe a couple more. Would you guys put your hands up? They're actually going to be in the lobby today right here as well. If you know someone, we're going to take the stigma out of it. Don't go to them for you. But if you know somebody who needs Celebrate Recovery, or if it's you, go and talk to them. They'd love to share that information with you. Soil type number four is this. And here's the the good part. Soil, Soil type number four is the receptive soil. This corresponds to multiplying And it's the only of the four soil types where we're not given a challenge or a trouble spot to watch out for. Now, if you identify somebody who is, as someone who is a multiplying Christian, I might say, just from experience, that the danger is that you would become arrogant or conceited. You go, yeah, I'm a multiplier. I'm where I'm supposed to be. And some of you have a personality such that no matter what it is, you're like, I've got to check the box to do the right thing so I can know that I'm good. And that's not what this is about. This is about simply being faithful with what God has put in your hands. Are you a multiplying person? I believe that to multiply the life of God in and through us is the goal of the Christian life or life with God. Again, it is not the goal to merely get saved so I can be in heaven when I die. Jesus gave the disciples a very different goal. Not one that that removes that, but one that encompasses it. He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all the things I've commanded you, and I'm going to be with you every step of the way, even to the very end of the age. And so what Jesus was envisioning was a world in which redeemed people have the heart soil that receives God's word and does them such that the world begins to be transformed in multiplying effect. And what Jesus is commanding in Matthew 28 is pictured in Revelation 7. It says in Revelation 7 in heaven, there's a great multitude of people from every tribe and every nation and every language. How do we get there? We get there as Christians. People of God say, God, help me to be a multiplier. Help me to be somebody that doesn't just hear the words, but actually does them, puts them into practice, and reproduces my life in the lives of others. And so here's your question if you're a multiplying follower of Jesus. How and in whom am I reproducing my life with God? 
I have started to do this just in the last few weeks. Each day I choose not a different person to pray for, but kind of a different field of impact. What I mean is that one day I'm praying for the people at my gym. One day I'm praying for the guys on my softball team. One day I'm praying for my wife and kids. One day I'm praying for you, the church. One day I'm praying for our staff. And so each day I'm in that frame of mind and I'm going, God, I want to pray that not only you would do the work, but that I would partner with you so that when I'm playing softball, I'm not getting kicked out of the game because I'm fighting with the umpire, you know, like I'm, I'm there to make a difference. And when I'm in the gym, I'm not just there to, to get swollen, I'm there to like to reach people, like to have an impact. And by the way, when you're a pastor at the gym, you got to account for about 20 extra minutes because you get talked to a lot. And so I go, God, just let me do that. Let me be responsive to that. But this great commission that we talk about, going and making disciples, is not simply a mandate for pastors or Christian workers. It was not simply given to the original 12 disciples to be left there. Jesus wants every one of his followers looking to reproduce their life in the lives of others. It can be simply to begin praying for those people. It can be simply to share a meal with them and look for opportunities to have conversation, to weave your life together with people who don't yet know Jesus as their Savior. And I love that Jesus says, as we do this, we're going to produce either 100 or 60 or maybe 30 times what God has given us. And Jesus gives no indication that one is better than the other. He doesn't go, if you're a a hundred times multiplier, you get a gold star. Because that's the best. He says, whatever you have the ability to do, do it for the purposes of God. If you change the lives of three people by praying for them and witnessing to them and seeing them come into full-fledged faith and following of Jesus, praise God for that. And if you're a massive influencer and you've got books you're writing and you're speaking all over the world and you're changing the lives of thousands, praise God for that. The point is to be faithful in what God has given you. I want to close our service in this way. I want to again ask one final question that we're all going to ask ourselves together. And this is a reflection question. I want to ask you to identify which of these stages of spiritual development, exploring, beginning, growing or multiplying which best identifies the stage that you're in and if you can identify that then you're going to know what your trouble spot to look out for are you in danger of being unresponsive to the teachings are you in danger of not having put down roots or or becoming entangled and for the next few minutes as our team comes up to lead we're going to sing again the song that says I want to make room for you What I know to be true of soil is that the only way something can go down into it is that the ground has to be broken. Something's going to have to break in your heart and life. Things are going to have to shift and get removed around. You're going to have to be willing to let God do whatever he wants to do in you. And I want to ask you the question, would you be willing to make room for God to do in your heart what he wants to do? So as this team sings over us, maybe you want to get in a posture of just like Lindsay had us do earlier, just putting your hands open. Maybe you want to stand and sing. Maybe you want to get on your knees and pray or just quietly sit and reflect. Would you make room as the team leads over us? Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. 
For more information like our service time, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.